It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Welcome into ATL Day Ones, especially our Day Oneers. Now, the Falcons released a veteran, but did they tip their hand on what they'll do later this week for a rookie? And Jalen Brown was out there giving future vibes in the second half. And yes, a giant in comedy finally gets his flowers. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into ATL Day Ones. I am Tanitra Batiste, and that guy on the other side is my guy, Jamie Walker. As you guys know, he is a friend to the show, and we always appreciate him stopping by because he holds down our co-host chair better than anybody in the business when our guy Jarvis Davis is not here. Of course, he'll be back tomorrow. But Jamie, welcome, welcome, welcome back. I appreciate you having me. Um, it's hard to fill Jarvis's shoes, but I'll try to do my best. We appreciate you. Appreciate you for that. And also appreciate our title sponsor, as you know, that's FanDuel Sportsbook, because this episode is indeed brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Now you make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And speaking of getting started, let's dive right into it, Jamie, because we didn't have an opportunity to dive into this on Friday because the Falcons made this announcement late Friday, and that is that they decided to release Casey Hayward. Now, we didn't see much of Hayward last season, of course, Jamie, because due to that shoulder injury very early on in the season, he was sidelined after just six games, but it definitely gave me pause. I don't know about you, but it definitely gave me pause. And one of the questions I have for you is this. Do you think that there's any chance that we will see Hayward maybe re-signed by the Falcons for less money? I think it's possible. Um, if you look at the the dead money cap, but also the savings that went along with actually cutting um, Hayward, uh, I think the Falcons did themselves their due diligence as far as uh, what the team is actually bringing to the table and what their needs may be going into this draft. They've done a lot so far. Um, they picked up a couple of corners in general, Mike Hughes. And you're also talking about Jeff Okuda um, coming from Detroit, which which was a great deal. Look, yeah. Terry Fontenot has done his job uh we don't know what everything will will shape out to be because the players still have to play but as far as acquiring talent um and and doing it uh for value they've done well but uh, but again i don't think um it was a bad move at all um you know hayward being a georgia guy um and, and what i mean is from the area along with um with him just being you know really good um starting out last year before the injury uh, you can see the possibility of him coming back. I, I, I think it's very possible. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I believe that he showed, like you said, glimpses in that first third of the season. And 
the moves that Terry Fontenot and his partner in crime, Arthur Smith, have made throughout this offseason have been nothing short of miraculous, especially because we saw exactly what how hamstrung he was or how hamstrung they were these last couple of off seasons, right? So to see some of these moves and especially going once again and being able to do prove it deals, although with Casey Hayward, of course, it was a two-year deal, but to be able to do a couple of these one-year deals and maybe guys who are also interested in being able to prove themselves, I think it puts the Falcons in good position if they choose to bring him back, especially because we now know that reportedly he failed the physical. So obviously that put the Falcons in the position to be able to, to release him, if you will. And we also know that there may be some other free agents that come up right at some point in time who may be just as we'll call it appealing as Casey Hayward, both from what they can do in the short term, but also what it may be, it will not be a hit to the salary cap, if you will, or at least not the $5 million hit that Casey Hayward would have been should they have decided to hold on to him. But you know what else it got me to thinking? And I don't know necessarily that I'll uh, tip my hand to you, as I was saying about the Falcons, maybe tipping our hand, tipping their hands to us, but some believe, and I would ask you this question, what your thoughts are on whether or not this tips your thoughts or if you feel like the Falcons have tipped their hand on what they're going to do Thursday. Now, Jamie, it's interesting because when you look at some of the moves that the Falcons have made, obviously you gave one example. Uh, Jeff Okuda is a great example of them going out and getting themselves a right corner. And essentially that kind of made everybody look up and say, okay, well, that might tell you that Casey Hayward's days are numbered in Flowery Branch. But that Jeff Okuda signing and now also the release of Casey Hayward has us thinking, okay, does that further tip your hand, however, to what the Falcons may do at eight? Are they saying that there is somebody out there that we might be interested in at that eight position who's like that true game changer? In other words, when we looked at the A.J. Terrell draft, right, we saw somebody who could be an immediate game changer, and that he was. When you look at a Jeff Okuda, you really don't know because even with him coming back off of uh, his Achilles injury, he still wasn't quite the Jeff Okuda who was – drafted at three, right? So the question still becomes, yeah, you got him, but you released Casey. Is this maybe a tip of the hat to, because we are thinking that we might show up the secondary in the draft at eight. I think it provides a little more confusion to be quite honest. with you. <laughs> uh, I, I think what happens um, is the team had so many needs that depth is um, at a premium at this point. You can't have enough. And so right now I think, it is mass confusion as far as the people are concerned. I think the, the Falcons brain trust knows what they want to do. Uh, I think they have different scenarios um, um, just ironed out for Thursday in general. Yeah. Um, it could go corner, you know, such as a Christian Gonzalez, um, you, you know, having somebody across from AJ Terrell. Um, it can go um, if that pass rusher falls, uh, happens to fall uh, down to eight, which most people, um, you know, possibly think there's some pieces that would be there. Um, but it really just all depends on uh, if they decide to stay at eight, move up, or what I'm thinking, or I'm liking, move down. I think you have some depth pieces, and I think that um based on value, especially when it when you hear you know the powers that be talk about, you know, picking up this player at this pick. Um, if you can move down and have that pick be more valuable, I think 
you know, you do yourself a, a, a service to maybe acquire more picks, especially if you find a team that's desperate enough to jump up to your position and give you a pick, another second rounder or third rounder um, for that eighth slot, especially if they see maybe a quarterback that they want that um, that's not picked. And especially when you hear talks of like the likes of C.J. Stroud moving down all of a sudden, he's not liked. It could be just smoke, but at the same time, I think the Falcons brain trust should, should do their due diligence just to see what's up. But I think it's just provided more – more confusion or maybe more just convolution um, yeah. to what exactly they'll do. I'll go with convolution because my my words, my, my favorite phrase has been chestnut checkers. And mm. I believe that the Falcons have been playing chess in a good way. That That is all the compliment to them by making everyone look and say, well, wow, they have taken meetings with Anthony Richardson as an example. They've taken meetings with multiple quarterbacks who are expected to be gone off the board by no later than six. And they've also said that Desmond Ritter is their QB1. So I do think that they're just a team that does their due diligence. They're a team that understands and an organization that understands the importance of playing chestnut checkers. And yeah, I think that you could possibly say, hmm, are they opening up the floodgates for at number eight for, say, a Christian Gonzalez? But I've said all along that I probably would be most pleased and think, hey, this is an A decision, an A-plus decision, an A-minus decision if they trade and trade back, because I still believe they can get whomever they want, Jamie. I don't care if they want to shore up the trenches on the defensive side of the ball, on the offensive side of the ball, if they want to shore up the secondary, because we don't talk enough about that strong safety position and how if you look at that depth chart, Jalen Hawkins is sitting on that depth chart by himself. And so you may be able to trade back and get yourself someone like a Brian Branch from Alabama, but you may still also be able to get yourself some additional assets. So I love what you're talking about like that. I can't wait. To me, it's like, this is exciting. This is Christmas in April. And Jamie, how long has it been since we've been like this excited? And I think we'll stay that way as long as we don't hear with the eighth pick in the draft, the Falcons take wide receiver. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Tied in. I think we'll all be kind of good to go. But yeah, it definitely makes it intriguing and interesting. What also was intriguing, I don't know if I'll call it interesting, but I might call it a head scratcher, was the Braves over the weekend. The Braves, of course, in their series finale with the Astros on Sunday, they fell 5-2. They got swept, not just for the first time this season, but the first time in two years to tell you how potent that Braves offense has been, if you will, to help them to avoid the sweep, uh, how uh, potent the pitching staff has been, whether that is your starting staff or your your bullpen, if you will. But whoa, Jamie, not so much this past week. And we're talking about a bullpen that blew what could have been a magnificent Max Fried outing to go six and two-thirds innings, scoreless. And yes, definitely he had some trouble on his way off the mound after 107 pitches, but didn't get any favors done for him by Nick Anderson nor uh, A.J. Mentor on Sunday. So my question to you is this, not just Sunday, but even if you want to look at it overall, does the bullpen blowing leads, especially their performances this last couple games, concern you at all? Um, They're 14 and 8. So right now they're right there in the thick of things. And I think when you're looking at the way this bullpen um, started slow last year too, except the record was a whole lot worse. So I think um, the sense of urgency for the Braves right now is – you know, kind of medium. Um, Brian Snicker uh, has talked about the way that you, this is really their first hiccup um, in this in this season. And I think when you um, are as injured as the Braves are right now, I think when you're looking at the way that this bullpen 
kind of self-destructed. When yeah. you get Rosario Iglesias back and along with Colin McHugh, mm-hmm. I think you'll be okay. Uh, I think let them get to full strength first. And I think um, then you can kind of determine whether or not the bullpen um, is up to snuff. You know, you have to you just look at the way the last couple of years they've kind of revamped what they're doing in general. Um, they've used a lot of arms. And I think they've done well in makeshifting what that bullpen is. Um, but I, I will also say, and, and I, I kind of give kudos to Jarvis on this, you know, trust in double A. You know, in, in Alex Anthopoulos, we trust. And when it all comes down to what this team will do going forward, you can't look at just the bullpen. Their run scoring hasn't been what it is supposed to be either. You know, in that first inning, they scored four runs. Well, if you look throughout the rest of the game, um, the, the runs were few and far between to come by really throughout that entire series. So if you just look at the way that, you know, they have to get back to the hitting the ball well um, with, with Olsen and, and company, you know, they'll get back to what they do best. But I think the bullpen right now, don't panic. You'll be fine. Yeah. And I think you make an excellent point because right now they're going to, of course, start a four-game series tonight against the Marlins. And when you look at Marcelo Zuna being in that seventh spot, you kind of look at the bottom of the order because that's where the Braves essentially have been on the struggle bus. Marcelo Zuna, Sam Hilliard, decent. Hiri Adrianza in that ninth spot. So hopefully if the bottom of the order can kind of catch up and then we can get a little bit more out of even the top of the order, particularly Austin Riley and Matt Olson have been a little bit quieter these last couple of games. I think that, like you said, the Braves will be good to go as long as we don't have to have a risk conversation yet again because we don't want to have this conversation about runners in scoring position and being stranded on base like they were this past weekend now speaking of if you want to bet whether or not this is one of those games or series that gets the Braves back on track although they're not really off track then maybe you should check out FanDuel because that's where you might bet Jamie even whether or not this is going to be another game where Ronald Acuna Jr. goes off but not before some Miami Marlins pitcher hits him right Right. (laughs) So grand slams, no hitters, double plays, all of it's back because, hey, baseball is back. And there's no better place to get in on that action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So that's right. New customers can step up to the plate with a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. And, hey, right about now, Jamie, that sounds like a lot of money to me actually going into summertime so that you can get yourself all vacationed up whether you want to do a cool staycation here in atlanta or whether you want to go abroad so if you go to fanduel.com locked on you can sign up you can place your very first bet and again you can get up to a thousand dollars back in bonus bets if you happen not to win so again aaron judge you want to see if he wants to pick up where he left off with a home run you know jamie we still have our eyes on whether or not ronald acuna jr is going to hit that 40 40 mark or if more than one brave actually gets to the 30 30 mark you can check out if a pitcher is going to go over on strikeouts build with your favorite matchup of the day so there's so many little things that you can do if you want to get in on what that FanDuel action is about so again don't miss out on your chance to get a no sweat first bet up to a thousand dollars when you join FanDuel today. You go to FanDuel.com locked on slash locked on to sign up. It's that simple because FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball and of course the title sponsor right here on ATL Day Ones. Now, speaking of Jamie, a title sponsor like a FanDuel, and whether or not you want to put your money on what's going to happen in Boston tomorrow night, that's on you. 
if that is exactly what it is that you <laughs> want to do with your time, your talent, or as we like to say, your treasures. But I don't know. After what I saw last night, it's very interesting because the game was kind of like a dichotomy of halves again, but in a weird way because normally it's a situation where you see a Jekyll and Hyde from the Hawks in the first half and the second half, right? This was very interesting because the Hawks started out slowly again, but ultimately they picked up the pace and then they made it a game, got it down to about three points before ultimately uh, Boston ran away with it, 129-121 the final. Now the Hawks find, find themselves in a 3-1 hole, headed back to Boston tomorrow night. But there were still some positives. There were still, still some things that you can look at and say, okay, that went well. And one of those things was when they needed it the most, Clint Capella, for example. Didn't have a lot of points last night, but he gave them a couple of key points in that third quarter when he was just trying to make sure that they could stay in it. DeAndre Hunter! Jamie, he woke up. It was Dre Day for a minute, right? But the challenge is this, and Quinn Snyder said it best post-game. I felt like, quote, on the defensive end, to get us there with a chance to cut it there, we had that. They just extended it again, and you know, they had some guys that can make plays, and they did. Yes. Jamie, they had six guys, in fact. And normally, you see all six of those guys, and at times, even Al Horford show up not just for a minute or a stretch or a quarter, but really for them, it's all four quarters, even in that one game that they lost in the series. So when you look at the Hawks, however, do you really feel like they have at least one guy or even more guys who actually show up every game, stretches a game, multiple times in a series? Do we really have that guy with the Hawks? Um, No. And and I, I I guess I have to kind of go back into who you have. This is still a very incredibly young team. Yes. Uh, and, and I think people don't give enough credence for that. Uh, Trey Young is the, the superstar, the paid person on this squad, but he's still incredibly young. And so when you look at the showmanship and his ability to be that guy to take over, um, you saw that in New York a couple of years ago uh, where he he stepped on that stage and performed. But when you're talking about young, a young team in particular, you're talking about inconsistent play, yes. um, just inconsistencies in general. And that goes on both the offensive and defensive end. You know, Trey Young had a phenomenal game um, last night. Uh, you you got to give him his kudos. Um, and you saw others in spots, as you mentioned, um, yes. DeAndre Hunter and company. But when you're talking about a consistent bucket, also with a consistent stop, when you look at the likes of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and company, along with um, just the roles that each player plays on that Boston squad, such as the the dirt guy in, in Marcus Smart, you know, that guy that's just aggravating. You know, they play their roles well. And so for the Hawks, they don't have everyone playing those roles. You have to just understand. They got new players this year, you know, in, in DeJounte Murray. Uh, a new coach who comes three quarters of the season in. So when you're talking about prepping for this team, if anybody had the expectation this team would all of a sudden ascend, um, I think we were just mistaken and we were just hopeful more than anything. Because when you're talking about the continuity that needs to exist with the, with the ball club, the Hawks just don't have it yet. You got to give, you know, your full complement of players – what Quinn Snyder wants as players, what they what he wants them to do defensively, even down to the assistant coaches who are still from Nate McMillan's squad. So 
let's give this team some time to gel and let this organization get themselves together from the top down. And then we can call out, um, we can really make a, a true criticism of what this team should be. Yeah, I think so too. And it goes back to the fact that it was a head scratcher when Quinn Snyder did come in in that last third of the season, but it turns out to have been a good decision because he needed to evaluate exactly with the talent that he was working with. Think about the scheme and the strategy that he likes to employ and whether or not he has the guns to be able to do what he wants and the guns on a consistent basis because you kind of laid out some great things there. Like with Trey, now I'll tell you just a slight disagreement there because to me, he was borderline trash in the first half. I'm just saying. Now, second half, absolute <laughs> brilliance. I'm going to, yeah, it, it just, it was like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't, don't. But in the second half, what I have to give him so much credit for is being able to reset himself and be a true factor in that game, right? And be a part of the reason that the Hawks were still in it almost to the end. But yes, the key word there is consistency. And yeah, it's it could be in part the youth. It could be in part that you're now on for most for much of this core on your third coach in as many years and different philosophical approaches to the game. It could be that, as I always say, some people show just how much basketball IQ they don't have in this entire series. And the fact that it probably would take Quinn about 25 to 30 games to be able to see, oh, okay, you don't really have the basketball IQ that I need for you to know where you're supposed to be on the court at what time. That's not going to work in my system, so probably going to have to move on from you. And then, like you said, we look at a team, and the Heat has been the, the squad that most have compared the Hawks to, right? When you have the triumvirate that comes together like a Dwayne Wade, a LeBron James, and a Chris Bosh, but you just hit the nail on the head. Number one, those were like bona fide superstars when they walked in the door. DeJounte Murray and Trey Young are trending up to superstardom, right? So there's still a ways to go. And they were also older. So they were into their careers. I mean, D-Wade had already won titles. So he could already tell you what it could take to get to ascend to a championship, if you will. So I think that's, you know, a critical point that sometimes we all kind of get lost in the shuffle on. But yeah, I, I believe that what the Celtics also show you is something else that you mentioned. Everybody to really have an understanding of what their role is. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown understanding nobody is going to take over this game, not even what Marcus Smart was able to do here and there, Robert Williams III, when he started to dominate inside. Nobody except Tatum and Brown are going to dictate how this game goes. We understand the assignment. We're about to score 28 in the fourth quarter. We're about to score 16 straight to close this thing out. And then, like you said, every other role player, Derek White, Al Horford, or whomever, Everybody knows how to fall in line because we know what the mission is. And we've also, unfortunately, seen failure the last couple of seasons, whether it was NBA finals or Eastern Conference finals. And we just don't want that feeling again. So, yeah, I think it's one of those situations where, while we can all admit the Hogs don't really have a guy and they don't really kind of have guys that show up 48 minutes or even 40 minutes of every game of every series. This is also an opportunity for you to see how much you don't have those guys so that when you begin to make moves in the offseason, you absolutely know what it is that is the definition of what some guys is and what it is that you need to do to find those guys in, in the offseason. I also think, Jamie, another thing that you said that I think is important is to have someone like Quinn Snyder who you can at least say, okay, we saw some, I'll call him shades of brilliance. We saw some shades of brilliance in terms of when he put together a game plan that the Hawks were able to execute the entire time. Because remember, back in the game three, you could see for the first maybe quarter to quarter and a half, the strategy that Quinn was employing 
that the Hawks were actually moving with successfully until Joe Mazzulla and company figured it out real quick. And then that was the end of that. Fourth quarter, they were able to do it almost to perfection for an entire game. Get the right players in place, and you can do that maybe for an entire season. That's right. I, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that we also agree about is what we do here on ATL Day Ones, which is for the culture. And Jamie, our ATL Day One everydayers, they absolutely love this segment. We always get comments in the comment section, and we want to encourage those guys to just keep on keeping on with your comments, bring your family and friends, because what do we do? Jarvis and I bring it to you each and every day, and when he can't bring it or I can't bring it, we bring you guys like Jamie Walker. So you need to pull up as early and as often as you can so that you can get all of this flavor. You know where to find us, always on YouTube if you want to see our great faces and see all these animated faces that we bring you when we talk sports. Or if you are driving down the street and we want you to be safe in these ATL streets, then you know that you can hear us wherever you download your podcast. So, hey, check out ATL Day Ones. And always, if you want some fun in your life in the afternoon, you check out For the Culture. And it's so interesting because sometimes, Jamie, I don't know who's gotten their flowers and who hasn't. And sometimes I just think someone has been around for so long that we kind of think they've gotten them and they haven't. So I caught an article on Essence.com earlier this morning and the headline was Martin Lawrence receives star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. I don't know about you, Jamie, but I was shocked. I was like, Martin doesn't have a star already? So he gets the 2,753rd star on the Walk of Fame. Steve Harvey came out to support Lynn Whitfield, Tracy Morgan, and Tashina Arnold were among those who celebrated the legendary comedian and gave him his flowers. So that got me thinking because I don't know about you, but I'm that person who loves to watch like old school type comedies. I watch them every night. I'll pull up on a Martin episode in a heartbeat and just watch it like it's brand new. So what do you think about the fact that finally Mr. Martin Lawrence is getting his flowers? Well, first of all, I'm, I was like you. I thought he already had one yeah. um, there because I, I think he's just been beyond funny and then just comparing, you know, other folks that have already gotten their stars. I'm like, okay, why Martin hadn't, you know, gotten his yet? But just generationally, he was just one of those guys uh, for me, you know, comedically. And I love what he does. I'm glad he's getting his flowers. I'm glad he's really just just settling into, you know, that that part of his career. Yeah. I won't say it's the twilight, right. but I, I'll say he, he's on that, you know, that back half, but still doing it. So I, I, I love what I'm seeing so far. Yeah, and that's how I feel as well. Like any minute now, he can do something that is utter brilliance and we'll be like, wow, he still got it because we believe that he still does. But it's one of those things where if Martin, if we never turned our TV on again and he had a new television series or we never went to the theater again and he had a new movie, like his legacy and I mean, just his catalog of work is just plain phenomenal. It's unmatched. There were some things that we saw him do, for example, in the television show Martin that we'd never seen done before, right? Just the physical comedy, the way he played off Tashina Arnold as an example was just absolute brilliance. And my running joke is, like I always say, low-key, people sleep on Welcome Home Roscoe Jenkins because that's one of my favorite movies. I laugh like every time I see it, I laugh like it's brand new, right? And, <laughs> you know, same thing with uh the first big mama's house like i still laugh at that like i've never seen it even though i can tell you just about every line in the movie and that's what he's able to do he's been able to create memorable characters or at least even i think about bad boys 
um, just the amazing play off of Will Smith that he had in that movie. And so, yeah, my mind just kind of went to all of the moments in time where I could see how he just changed the game. And so I was thinking as well with you, what are some of your favorite characters or TV shows or movies that have been the most memorable to you? Like, wow, Martin just really changed the game with that. Listen, we got to go um, the Martin show. You, you know, ah, Martin yes. just in general, just all the characters on there. I think Dragonfly... <laughs> Dragonfly Jones is my favorite TV character of all time. Um, I gotta throw a couple more out there. His character, Claw Banks, in uh, in life was yes. was was great. Underrated. But my <laughs> my favorite Martin movie is probably Off the Beaten Path. Is Thin Line Between Love and Hate. <gasps> I was so glad Glenn Whitfield was there. <laughs> yes, like I loved it. I said this is perfect. This is perfect. Yes. And that's what I love, the fact that we all know that the Martin show itself, like, set the state, like, reset everything. But the fact that you and I called out so many movies, because I'm with you on that thin line between love and hate, yes. by the way. You called out that movie. Life, that's another one. Like, I watch it, but I can't watch it because I'm, like, all sad because they were, like, you know, in prison for all those years right. and they shouldn't have been. But <laughs> I love the just all of the, the low-key players that were in that movie doing some things like Bernie Mac. It just, yes, it's just amazing. Like all of the heavyweights and heavy hitters that he stood right alongside and was able to just like show his weight. And I think this is the same guy that we saw in the house party movies back in mm -hmm. the day, right? Yes. <laughs> and who would have thought that he would have become the icon that he is today. So yeah, just that we're able to talk about that and all of the influences that we can see even on TV shows that came after the Martin show, right? Or the fact that he can go and have a franchise of Big Mama. He can go and have a franchise of Bad Boys. Oh, and another one, Jamie, I like Blue Streak. Like oh, people yeah. low yes. key. Yeah, people sleep on Blue it Streak, but slightly. I, yeah. So you see these two are truly fans of Martin Lawrence and we definitely appreciate all that he has done to just bring all sorts of comedy, even run tell that, yep, sure do watch that too. Mm -hmm. So you can see yes. this, is a, this is a show that loves himself some Martin Lawrence. And this is also a show that loves when Jamie Walker pulls up when our guy Jarvis Davis is taking just a little bit of time off, just a little me time. So we appreciate you. And Jamie, before we wrap up today, tell our ATL Day Ones family what you are up to, where we can catch you, where we can kind of support everything that you are doing because you're doing some amazing work too. Oh, wow. You'll catch me uh, a little bit of everywhere. Uh, Coach Work Media is yeah. my, my own group. Uh, Black College Sports Network, the SIAC, uh, covering HBCU sports. Uh, follow me on Twitter at SportVoiceJW. Uh, for, for some content, I have a couple of opinions. Uh, just a few. Just, just a few. <laughs> uh, they don't matter much to many people, but, you know, I'll make them anyway. But, yeah, yeah. follow me uh, on Twitter and Instagram, SportVoiceJW. Yeah, and wherever I run up on something HBCU, wherever I'm like, if I'm in the field, I'm always like, Jamie, you're here. J Jamie is everywhere, and I just appreciate that. I appreciate your grind. And also, yeah, you guys, follow him on Twitter because he will definitely give you some thought-provoking things on any topic and also give you some questions that make you maybe rethink where you settled on something. So, Jamie, you know that I can't wait to see what your reaction is Thursday night as well because, like, it's, like we said, this is like Christmas Day at ATL, like, we cannot wait just a couple days away. So thanks again, Jamie, for stopping by every day. We appreciate you. Don't ever, ever think that we don't because we always do. But don't just be an 
every day or by yourself. Make sure that you tell a friend about everything that's going on here at ATL Day Ones and across the Lockdown Sports Atlanta family. So for Jarvis Davis, for Jamie Walker, I am Tanitra Batiste. Appreciate you guys. And don't forget tomorrow to come back because, hey, we pretty much feel we're going to be talking about a dub and what Spencer Strider was able to do. He as the guy who is number two in MLB as far as strikeouts. So for strikes, we cannot wait to see what he's going to put down. And of course, we'll give you guys a preview of what we think the Hawks need to do to stave off elimination in Boston. So take care of yourselves. Be safe in those ATL streets. See you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.